Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back. Or if this is your first time, welcome in. Glad you're joining us here at Illuminate Church. I especially want to keep encouraging you to uh, to be here on a Sunday morning or whenever you get to watch this throughout the week. It is so important with so much discouragement and bad news out there that we stay connected to the word of God. The psalmist tells us that his word revives the soul. And uh, certainly in this hour, these days, we need reviving, refreshing of our souls. And God's word promises to do this. So as we gather around his word here on Sunday mornings, it's so important. I'm, I'm just so grateful that you're here. Be encouraged. If you need anything, prayer, it's been a heavy season, uh, financial need, what, whatever it is, please always connect with us at illuminate.church slash connect. There's a bunch of different forms you can fill out there. We are here to serve you. Please don't think, oh, it's not for me or I don't want to ask. Don't do that. Please engage, connect with us, whatever your need is. We'd love to pray for you, serve you however we can. The second thing I want to tell you, this online audience, a super important, uh, a special thing that's happening. As I'm speaking to you at the live service, uh, we are testing out for the first time live streaming of our in-person services. And what we hope to do beginning on our anniversary, which is October 3rd, that's our nine-year anniversary, on that date, we hope to begin streaming live services from the high school. So no longer will it be me on a recording and some canned worship music, which has been awesome in its season, but the next phase, the next part is you streaming right in and being with us there live on a Sunday morning. So look forward to that. We're testing it. If all goes well, uh, we'll be launching it on October 3rd. I will keep you posted, but uh, a huge deal. Our team is working extremely hard. Shout out to Bruno and Landon and Pastor Joey for all their great work on this. It's going to be a huge win for our church family. We want to pull you in, be one church, one service, all together. So somebody say hallelujah, type in the comments, whatever you want to type. Love to hear back from you, your thoughts on us going to live streaming, you joining us there in the high school. So today we're starting a brand new series called God Doesn't Want Your Money. I told you last week that the one thing that ills Americans, it seems, and pretty much anybody worldwide more than anything else turns out to be how we interact with, communicate, stress about, think about money. Money, 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 money. So <clears throat> I want to just start the service by declaring the name of the series over you, just to be clear, because when we start to talk about money and the church, people start to clinch. Like, I know where this is headed. So listen, let me just say this over and over and over again in many different ways. Number one, God doesn't want your money. The church in general across the world doesn't want your money. Let me say it more plainly, plainly, clearly. This church, Illuminate Church, doesn't want your money. Have I said it yet? This pastor, me, I don't want your money. I don't want it. God doesn't want it. And there are a lot of people out there probably watching right now. I get it. There's a lot of people that watch. So it's probably statistically accurate for me to say there are numerous people who are watching this right now that think in the end, I know where this is going. The church really does just want my money. They're, they're saying all these other things, doing all these nice things, but eventually they're going to pass the bucket. They're going to tell me to open my wallet. I'm going to feel guilty or compelled, and then I'm going to put some money in there and all that kind of stuff. Like, listen, I get it. I understand why you may feel that way because there have been many abuses in regards to the church 
and money, that you could call it profiteering by certain pastors or religious organizations, something called the prosperity gospel. If you give us a dollar, God's going to give it back to you, $10 and $100. If you give 100 just give all your money, right? So these abuses by these organizations have caused you maybe to be a little bit leery of the church, of church leadership when it comes to money. So when somebody starts talking about money, you start wanting to be like, ah, I'm out, right? I also get that it is hard for some of us, maybe all of us, to part with money that you feel belongs to you, was earned by you, is needed by you, and the church wanting your money then would also feel abusive. Like, hey, where do you get off asking for my money? I need it. I earned it. It's mine. So boiling all these thoughts down, when it comes to churches or pastors or even God and money, you see or feel abuse, so you want to just throw up your hands at the idea of giving or offering the church and money, right? But let's think about that logic for a second. If the idea was for us to walk away from something because another has abused it, right? Then we're going to have to walk away from a lot of things. You may use social media properly, but other people have abused it. And if our idea is to walk away from something because somebody abused it, then we got to walk away from social media. We got to walk away from television, movies, alcohol, sexual intimacy, food. I mean, all these things are good things, but in the wrong hands and in abuse, then they become negative things. So to be clear, just because another has abused something doesn't mean that there is a proper way, a godly ordered way for something to be handled, right? So just because other churches, other organizations have abused the concept of money doesn't mean that there isn't a right way to handle it. But to be clear, let me repeat it again. God doesn't want your money and neither does Illuminate Church, neither do I. However, God and Illuminate and I want to give you freedom. In the the Bible, Galatians chapter five, verse one says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. God wants to give you freedom. God and Illuminate want to also give you power for living abundantly. Hear this familiar verse, John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief, the devil, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come from heaven to earth that they, you and I, may have life and have it to the full. Not just kind of a so-so life, a full life. God wants that for you. Not only that, God and Illuminate want to equip your life to experience God's perfect will for all your days on the earth. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's then that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God wants that for you. And God and Illuminate Church also want to give you the keys of obedience that unlock God's victory in your life. Hear this from John chapter 14, verse 23. Anyone who loves me, this is Jesus speaking, anyone who loves me and obeys my teaching, my Father will love them and will come to them and make their home with them. So Jesus and the Father, they come and make their home with us as we obey them. And God wants to give that to us. He wants to abide with us, to be with us in all situations. Now, the motivation behind All of the teaching in this series, God Doesn't Want Your Money, and really any series that we ever do at Illuminate Church, the motivation from my heart and also from the heart of the Lord, your Father, is this. You are loved. 
You are absolutely ridiculously loved. God faithfully loves you. I sincerely love you. And God wants the best for you. I mean, I want the best for you too. I want the absolute best abundant life you could ever dream or imagine and happening for you. God actually says in his word that he wants to give you more than you've ever dreamed or imagined. How much more? The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter three, immeasurably more. You couldn't even measure how much God wants to give you. It's like you, the, the, the ruler does not long enough. The, the measuring stick, it's, you can't find a way to measure how much God wants to do in your life. Somebody say, whoa, it's amazing. So I want your life also to help others know what life in Jesus Christ is like. God wants your life to be a rich expression of what following Jesus can be like so that others might know the freedom that you have found this, my friends, these reasons that I just listed is why I'm going to teach you some truths about money. I want to reveal to you God's heart regarding money. And as we see God's heart, it will kind of also reveal our hearts as humans regarding money, how we've treated it, the way that we look at it. When I say God doesn't want your money, it's based on this singular thought. Why would the one, the only one who can create from nothing need anything from me, from you, from us, including money. Like if he wanted money, he would just say, let there be money and there be money in his pockets. Like he said, let there be light and let there be water and let there be animals. He just spoke it and it came into existence. So if God needed money, he'd just say, let there be money. He doesn't need our money. God doesn't want our money. God wanting our money would be like saying the ocean wants a drop of water. Like this massive thing, meaning this like, it just doesn't compute. So if God's not after your money, what, what does God want? What are we teaching in this series? Well, let me boil it down for you in a sentence. If you're taking notes, please write this down. God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. Your heart, the wellspring of your life, for you to be known and to be fully knowing the Lord, to walk with him in abundance, to run in the freedom that he promises. And it all resides here in our hearts, that place that we call our soul's home, the heart. God wants your heart. But here's the problem. Here's the rub. God knows that your heart is under attack. It's clouded. It's shielded. It's being threatened all the time because of money. He knew it from the beginning. Money is going to be an issue for humans. Imagine just for a minute, a young man, and he's pursuing the woman of his dreams. Like absolutely loves this woman, adores her, thinks everything is just wonderful about her. And he, he wants to provide for her this incredible life to, to help her flourish, to, to protect her and to see her just, just flourishing. I can't think of a better word. Just a amazing relationship between this man and this woman that he is pursuing. There's only one problem. There's another suitor. There's another one pursuing this woman. And this other suitor is pursuing this woman for his own selfish reasons. And they're not good reasons. But this suitor is pretty good looking. This suitor is pretty flashy. And so this woman, her heart is torn between the one who will love her, protect her, and cause her to flourish. And this one that's flashy, even though they got some selfish motivations and this, that has some, some pain in it. But man, this looks so tempting over here. <clears throat> this is what it is for us and money, right? We have our God of strength and refuge who's come to provide the best for us versus this 
somewhat harmless, useful object called money, but it can quickly become an idol when we give our heart away to the pursuit and desire of money. Here's what Paul wrote to Timothy regarding the heart money issue. And it's in this passage in Timothy that I'm about to read where Paul is saying to Timothy, listen, I want you to be content in godliness. You're not, you're not going to find your contentment in money and wealth and everything, but to be satisfied in a life lived in and for Christ Jesus. The other option is to try to find your satisfaction in monetary gain. And here's what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. All kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, desiring money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Not just one grief, a whole bunch of griefs. These griefs that Paul is talking about to Timothy arise because of the financial problem. We have financial problems in America, but what is it? What's the financial problem in America? Today, what is the financial problem in America? Could, could you answer that? Is it having too little money? Is that the financial problem? Is the, is the stress of debt and bills or bankruptcy hanging over us like a cloud? Is, is that the financial problem? Did you know uh, Ohio State University did a study in 2009? Might be the only thing that's ever good come out of Ohio State University. I'm just saying. But in 2009, they produced something that they called the Debt Stress Index. The Debt Stress Index. And here's what they found. 28% of people dealing with low income have stress-related health issues. Stuff like ulcers, depression, cardiac disease. All of these are happening to people with low income at a rate of 28%. Compared to 4% of those living with sufficient income. Is debt, is these health problems, is that the financial problem in America? Well, also in America, we have $13.7 trillion of personal debt, like on credit cards, college debt, you name it. That's 125% of our personal income on a whole. So what does that mean? In general, Americans are living 25% above our means. Is that the financial problem? Maybe. Or is the financial problem having too much money? In, in, in the case of having too much money, money can become an idol. Money can become the motivation of our lives. The consumption of goods and, and having things becomes our thing, right? Having things is my thing. Our ego, our pride, they're all tied to what we have. Our escape turns out to be in our things that we've collected because of our excess money. Is this the financial problem? Well, the truth is none of these are the, the problem, not the true problem. They're certainly problems. They, they are problems. But the root problem is one problem and one problem alone that defines the financial problem for almost all human beings, if not all human beings. And here it is. The financial problem today is this, not obeying God in the area of our finances. This is the true issue. And it's caused, as Paul just wrote to Timothy, so much pain. By the way, just as an example, did you know that the number one reason why marriages struggle? Do you know what the number one reason marriages struggle is? Communication. 
Communication. You might have said money, but it's actually communication. However, do you know the number one thing that marriages struggle to communicate about? <laughs> yeah, it's money. Dad, what are we going to do with this money? How are we going to spend that? Well, you spent too much. You just, blah, money, fight, fight, fight over money. Communication breaks down. The house breaks down and a house divided can't stand. Paul just told us the actual definition of financial problems. And it's not confined to any country. It's not confined to any age, to any gender. It's not confined to any kind of economy. So you could have a, a, a democracy, a free market economy or a socialist economy or you name it, a communistic economy, whatever, or it's not even confined to the size of your bank account. The financial problem that's lasted throughout generations is the love of money, not doing things with money as God intended us to. And the result is the piercing of ourselves with many griefs, many I believe that obeying God in regards to our money and finances is a huge deal. I believe that it's a big deal because of how Jesus talked about money. And as a matter of fact, he talked about money a lot. Just some stats for you. In the Bible, there are roughly 500 verses where Jesus talks about prayer. There are roughly 500 verses in the Bible where Jesus talks about faith. However, Yet, check this out, Jesus devoted 2,350 verses to the subject of treasure, to money and how we handle such things. That's almost five times more about money than on prayer and faith. Why? Why? Uh, famous author, pastor, big old church up in Atlanta, Andy Stanley says this, You cannot wholeheartedly be a follower of Jesus Christ and stay lost financially. It's impossible because God said too much about money. That's what Andy Stanley said. No longer do we need to ask the question, do I struggle financially based on how much money we have or how much debt we have or how little money we have? Rather, we need to answer the question, do I struggle financially based on how much we obey God in the area of our finances? Listen, the American dream cannot provide for you what God's dream can. So if the American dream, getting money, being successful monetarily trumps God's dream in your life, then there's an issue you. If you are not obeying God in the area of your finances, let me say it to you plain. You are struggling. Notice I didn't say if you are not obeying God in the area of finances, then you are struggling financially. I only said that you are struggling. Meaning, if you're not obeying God in the area of your finances, you are living a life not fully aligned with God's word and therefore not living to your full potential. It's like breathing on 50% lung capacity. And we've heard a lot about that in these last year and a half. It's like only using half of your house. Go ahead, just block half off. It's it's like living with one hand tied behind your back. It's like driving around a car with only two wheels inflated. Success will always be defined by obedience. Success in life and also success in in your finances. It's not determined by the size of your bank account or the size of your house. Here's some good news. You can be a huge financial success and have a very little bank account. Think about this for a second. I know this is true in my my life. I know lots of financially poor people who are richer 
than financially wealthy people. Can I say that again? Maybe you just think about it for a second. I know more people who are financially poor that live richer lives than those who are financially wealthy. You know that to be true too. And it starts to make sense that when we align with God's word, the richness of his life pours into us no matter how big or small our bank account is. What Jesus has to say about money, we'll get to in the next three weeks. But before we talk about anything else, we have to get to the root issue. This financial problem is based on the idea of whether or not we're following God's word in regards to money, which really can boil down to one word. And here it is, lordship. Lordship. Everyone say lordship. Type lordship in the comments. High five somebody next to you. Say lordship. Here's a question for you. Jesus may be your savior, like rescued you from sin, rescued you from the permanence of hell and placed you in heavenly places with God our Father. He may be your savior, but is he your Lord? We often say our Lord and Savior, it's backwards. He's got to be your savior first and then your Lord. But is he your Lord? Luke Chapter 6, verses 46 to 49, Jesus says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. Then he gives a word picture. He says, Anyone who obeys my words, they are like a man or a woman, doesn't matter, building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation of his house on the rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well-built. Verse 49 goes on to say, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man or a woman who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and listen to these words. Its destruction was complete. It wasn't like, oh man, it's just a little flesh wound. It was a complete devastation. Like I love simplicity. Raise your hand if you love simplicity. It helps me out greatly. And Jesus just cuts to the chase here. Like, what's the problem? How do you write it? I mean, for all the things that God says that are mysterious and are of greater revelation than our mortal minds can comprehend, this passage in Luke chapter 6 is not one of them. Jesus says it very plain. This is what he says. I have direction and instruction that will keep you from faltering. I have power to uphold you. I have an embrace that will make you untouchable by the floods of this life. And by the way, if you notice in the scripture, it doesn't say if the floods come, but when the floods come. And they've been coming over and over in this last year and a half. Have they not? Wave after wave of floods coming. And Jesus says, if you obey my words, you will find out that I am a rock you can rely on. I am something that it can, you can put confidence in in your life. And here's the truth. Here's the good news. There's no skill or merit required to get this. All we have to do is obey. There's no aptitude, no SAT you got to take, no application. Show me your resume. All that's required is obedience. Anyone can do it. You can do it. And as you obey, and as I obey, the Lord says, watch me. I am the sovereign Lord, and I'm going to help you flourish in your life. This is what it means to have Jesus as Lord. And we just throw around the word Lord like we all know what it means, but biblically, what does it mean? Lord 
in the original language is this word Kyrie. You might have heard this word before if you're from my generation. Kyrie lays them down the roads that I would follow. You, you remember this song? I feel totally embarrassed now and I'm just here with Bruno. Yeah, it's awesome. Anyway, uh, Kyrie lays means Lord have mercy. Kyrie is Lord and Kyrie means this, one who has complete ownership, not partial ownership, complete 100% ownership. If I were to tell you that I'm faithful to my wife when it comes to every woman except for one, would you say that I'm faithful at all? Is Jesus Lord of all, complete ownership of that? If I tell you that in my life, I'm honest, except when it comes to my taxes, like, oh, at Goodwill, I donated $735,000 worth of socks, right? If I'm honest except for my taxes, am I honest at all? Is Jesus Lord of all, if I tell you that I watch what comes out of my mouth, except when I'm driving on I-4, <laughs> is my mouth pure at all? Is Jesus Lord of my mouth? And by the way, just for fun, you, you want an easy test for lordship? Ask yourself this, is Jesus Lord of my car? Like, do I let him own my car so that when I drive on I-4, I four, my, is, is my car a blessing? Like, sure, pull on over. Or is my car a weapon? Like, yeah, get out of my way. Beep, beep, beep. Right, 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 right. I, I want to share with you a statement that I didn't write. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know who to give credit to. I give thanks to God for the statement, but it's so powerfully true. Get ready for it. Here it comes. If he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. If he's not Lord of everything, then he's not Lord of anything in your life. Is he Lord over your social media feed? Hello. Is he Lord over your vote? Like when you go into the ballot box, who owns the vote? Is he Lord over your wallet? That's the point of this series. And by the way, is he Lord over your social media, your vote, your wallet? They're all trick questions. Because the one who has Jesus as Lord would say, I don't have a social media feed. I don't have a vote. I don't have a wallet. They are all owned by my Lord. It's his social media feed. It's his vote. It's his wallet. So why does it matter to have Jesus as Lord of all? I believe very powerfully that there's only one person on that's ever existed who still exists to this day who can truthfully say these words. Just hold my hand and I'll show you the way. There's a lot of great humans, great pastors, great community group leaders, great shepherds that can say, hold my hand, and most of the time, I'm gonna do a pretty good job of showing you the way, but I'm human, I'm imperfect, I'm not the Lord. Often when I'm in a marriage counseling session, I'll say to the husband and wife, like, listen, you make a great husband, but you make a terrible God. Or you make a great wife, but you make a terrible God. There's no one else who can be Lord and every time without fail, show us the proper way. Just take my hand, I'll show you the way. And when Jesus is Lord of all, he's Lord of every area in your finances, just take my hand, I'll show you the way. When it comes to your social media, your vote or making hard decisions or your job or whatever, the, the only the Lord can truly say to you, just take my hand, I'll show you the way. Remember these familiar words from John 15, verse five says, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. So constantly, if Jesus is Lord of all, I want my hand to stay in his hand and have him lead me through my life. Even, especially 
when it comes to money. Jesus said too much about money for us to not address it. I'll just end today by saying this. The goal of this series, the next three weeks, is that you would live a blessed life. And as a result, your life would be a blessing to others. In fact, I don't think you can live a blessed life unless you are blessing others. The path to get there is believing, first of all, that Jesus is the Savior, the one who can save you from your sin, and that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of all, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. He's Lord of everything. And by the way, that passes through your wallet. (laughs) Some people say the last thing usually to get saved in a person is their wallet. I don't want that to be the case for you because it's too painful. And God wants you to have life and have it to the fullness of his promises. If you are struggling in any way, money included, Jesus is the answer. I tell you today, make him Lord of all. Choose him as Lord of all. Don't leave anything out there that doesn't come under his lordship. Choose the rock that will not falter when the flood comes. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, we pray over all those who are watching today that there there just be revelation for us. God, is there anything that I've taken out from your Lordship, like under the covering of your Lordship? Is it my wallet? Is it my marriage? Is it my business? What is it my thought life? Lord, whatever it is, Father, we're asking you to reveal it to us. Lord, we repent and return it to you. If you're not Lord of all, then you're not Lord at all. And God, in the name of Jesus, I desire you to be Lord of all in my life so that all areas of my life can be blessed and walking in alignment with the kingdom of heaven. Father, I pray against financial lies right now. I pray for for those that are financially struggling, that they would feel hope and a certainty that when the torrent comes in the future, now based on the truth of God, they will know that they are standing on a rock that will not falter. We pray these things and believe them together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Please be praying for us as we ramp up for streaming live. Again, that happens for the first time on October 3rd at our anniversary. Hope to see you then and next week as we continue. God doesn't want your money.